Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Champions League qualifiers yesterday we saw the third fastest goal in Champions League history courtesy of Jordan Larson for Copenhagen against Sparta Prague 14 seconds is all it took Grella knows something about scoring fast goals 14 is pretty fast but not as fast as yours <laughs> as fast fastest as goal in MLS history folks. I a, what I was it a, seven seconds I could I could have scored twice <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Take that, Jordan Larson. Yeah. Um, all right, here's a look at the notable results from those qualifiers. Yesterday, Sparta, Prague, and Copenhagen end in a 3-3 draw, but Copenhagen will advance 4-2 on PKs. Galatasaray moving on after a 1-0 win over Olympia. The dream is over for Klaksvik, uh, the Faroe Islands side. Uh, they fall 2-0 to Molde. But they still play in European football, by the way. Okay. So, yeah. Well. Yeah, at least uh, Europa League or Conference League. Uh, and this is a big result. Uh, Marseille knocked out uh, by <laughs> Panathinaikos. Bad results. Bad result for them. Um, so let's get into some of these highlights, shall we? Starting with that Sparta Prague uh, Copenhagen match. And again, we pick things up very early on because, as we mentioned, this was the fastest, third fastest goal in Champions League history. Let's watch it again. It's just a great finish there yeah. to get it out with defenders coming in your face, across the face of goal. Great finish by Larson. And this one uh, coming from. Uh Bermanjevic uh, to, to, to make it 1-1 in this one. Oh, my God. Whoa. What a free kick. What a finish. Yeah, this game got wild at the end. Now, here's Victor Klaas on Swedish national team getting that equalizer 3-3. It would go to penalty kicks. Oh. And then we'll get saucy. <laughs> As a... Uh, our very own Alexis Guerrero was yeah. say. I would have to say it in you his accent. It would get saucy. You win on a panenka after... There's a, a block right before that down the middle. I oh, like it. man, what a result. Um, all right, Marseille taking on Panathinaikos. They were down. What were they down? 2-0 coming into this one? They, one, they were down 1-0. Down one one they go up 2-0, 2-1 on aggregate with this 2-0 lead by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And Verodrome was popping. And then they concede oh. this penalty kick. It's a bit soft. I mean, the thing is that... Ah, oh, it hits Gendouzi's hand as he's falling. It's... Why is it's, his arm up that, That's what it is uh, nowadays. And, and Gendouzi would end up missing a penalty kick in the what street, a by the way. What a penalty. Here he is, look. Ah, oh, a Mar what a Marseille have had failure after failure after failure in the Champions League. Mm -hmm. And it is inexcusable that they're not in the Champions League proper this season with the way that they've been reinforced. Uh, they've just had group stage exit after group stage exit for the only French team to have won the Champions League to constantly come up so agonizingly short mm -hmm. is the definition 
of a failure for a team like Marseille. This sets the tone to the season. You have a new manager. Now, obviously, you have an opportunity to play in, in, in Europa League. But this is not what Marseille fans want. And it's just, it's going to be bitter from here on out because you shouldn't be losing to Panathinaikos. All credit to the Greeks because this will make their year if they go to the group stage after having gone through a giant of European football like Marseille. But Loem, this is not only underwhelming, it, it, is, it is tough to and watch. And this, this match was played at home, correct? And, yep. and there was no, no visiting fans. So this nope. was literally... All Marseille. You, you were yeah. seconds away. But that's football, though. You know, Marseille at home, they're dominating the game. They, their, their new player, Aubameyang, scores two goals. They look like they're cruising, maybe going to get the third. And then just a crazy moment where the, the touch of the, the hand uh, yeah. and, and if I'm not, changes the entire, the entire game. If mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, not last year, but the year before when Shakhtar Donetsk goes into the group stage, they eliminated Marseille like on a fluke pass by the defender. But that's football, you know. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of things happen in football out of the run of play. I mean, that's the run of play. But, you know, these dead ball, these set pieces, these penalties, offside calls, all these little things are, are, are so tight. Uh, and you can play well for 90 minutes and not get the result, and that's, I think that's what happened to Marseille. Imagine, and it was in the extra time of not this season, but the season before to Shakhtar Donetsk in the playoff round. They were moments away from yeah. the Champions League group stage, and they fall to Shakhtar Donetsk in the way that they do. And then in the group stage, the following year, you lose to Spurs in the way that you do. And then here, you lose to Panathinaikos in the way that you do. I feel for Marseille because they have an amazing fan base. Yeah. They're, 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 they're very devoted to their club. And they deserve better. Since 2012, they've won like four games in the Champions League. They haven't made it out of the group stage. It's, it's way under the expectation of, of, of a team that has a star on their crest mm-hmm. because of a Champions League. Yeah, yeah. It's what, has anyone checked on Michael LaHood? I, during oh, the game, we spoke. Lifelong, yeah. lifelong for a couple months, Marseille fan. <laughs> yeah. Lifelong, yeah. lifelong. Uh, but the thing there he's is... A just, he's a Pathanaikos fan. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, exactly. the mentality, you're saying, lose at the last second, lose at the last second. There's, there's clearly something within this group that doesn't allow them to push over that, that yeah. end goal. And it's not just this. It's, it's happened time and time again. Ugh, and so how do you manage those stats, moments? Though. Look at the stat, 28 shots. Jeez. 620 passes. Yeah. You know, what, can, what else do you want? Yeah. You know? hey, for, for the French UEFA coefficient, now Marseille better make a deep run in the Europa League. And you know who's watering at the mouth? Who? PSG. Ooh. They've got Marseille out of the group stage. Uh-huh. Strong mm. French team in, in, in European competition to possibly win it all. Got Dembélé, Mbappé, man. He's just got to got to make some waves in in the Champions League. Um, in happier news, Ricardo Pepe scored his first goal for his new club, PSV, nice. um, who advanced after a 3-1 win over Sturm Graz. Here is a look at his PK. Stepped up, took it confidently. It's a great start for Ricardo. Do we no, still? I'm not having that. You said first goal and it's a penalty. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm happy for him, and goals are goals, and you need goals to get the confidence, but... Right, and maybe that's the reason why he takes the PK here. His team's trying to say, hey, we got to get you you off and rolling early on in the season. So I half agree with you, but also, let's go, Pepe. Yeah, exactly. Good for him. A goal's a goal, Grella. Seven seconds. 
No, it's a penalty. Listen, yeah. I mean, we're showing penalties now. I mean, it's, it's, I'm happy for him. But. It's true, but he needs to get going because it's going to take a lot to take Luke de Jong off that starting yeah. spot up top. Um, all right, let's take a look at uh, the upcoming fixtures. There's another round Last of round. qualifiers. This is it. This is it. Any, what, what, which matchup looks good to you? Which looks enticing? Galatasaray have an easy draw so far, considering the amount of, of uh, rounds that they have gone through. They haven't really faced too tough of an opposition. Um, but look at PSV Rangers. That's a big that one. shouts and even Braga Panathinaikos, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, any of those four teams through league path, it would it would be massive for for whoever makes the group stage. Th those are very even matchups, I would say. All right, guys, uh, time for another break. We are going to look ahead and uh, preview some Syria action that's coming this weekend. Don't go anywhere. Guys, Serie A season kicks off this week, and here's a look at some of the notable fixtures to look forward to. Uh, reigning Scudetto champions Napoli taking on Frosinone team uh, just promoted to Serie A. Roma versus Salernitana, Udinese versus Juventus. Inter Milan taking on Monza, Lecce versus Lazio, and Bologna hosting AC Milan. You can watch all of those matches on Paramount. Plus, Grella, how excited are you? I'm super pumped. It, honestly, it's a league that I followed my entire life, but obviously followed it more closely uh, on Paramount Plus for the last two years. And it's so exciting. You don't know who the winner's going to be. The quality is through the roof. They do such a good job at bringing in new talents, young talents. They've signed already a, a ton of players in that like $10 million to $15 million range. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and more times than not, they've proven to be $50, $60, $70 million players by the end of the season. So we saw that with Guadalajara last season. Um, but it's going to be exciting. And it's another season again where I can't tell you who's going to win. I, I can't actually tell you who's going to win. And no Very one difficult. If someone yeah. can tell you who's going to win and they're sure about it, they're a liar. <laughs> so... At the start of last season, you had no idea that Napoli was going to be as good as they Nobody. were, or did you? No, we didn't have him in the top four. No one on the panel had him no in the one top did. four. Wow. And um, it's just, I would like to see, other than a born Nap a Napoli fan, who had them in the, winning the Scudetto. I don't think many people had them winning the Scudetto. Okay, so let's talk about their chances for yeah. this season. Um, Spalletti. No longer the head coach. They yeah. lose a key piece on the back line in mm -hmm. Kim Min Jae. What's the outlook for Napoli? I'm very interested to see what they do. If I'm Rudy Garcia and I come into that team, I change, I try to change nothing. The way they train, the training habits, uh, mm -hmm. the culture, the mentality. Maybe I add my own spin on certain things. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's stay out of the way because they still have a lot of good pieces. Yeah, they're missing Kim. They signed a Brazilian uh, left-footed center back named Nathan. Uh, who can he do what Kim did? I don't know. I was not convinced from what I saw. Um, but aside from that piece, they have a lot of the, uh, of the same pieces. Ozyman is still there. He's massive. Kvaratskhelia is still there. Mm -hmm. Loboka, uh, center defensive midfield, that spine of the team, very important for them. So we'll see what they do. Do they win the Scudetto again? I don't think so. I, I don't see them winning the Scudetto again because there's just this energy that's been sucked out of the room with Spalletti leaving, for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. There's this bad taste, That's this bad vibe. And I think... We saw it a little bit what happened when that, site, that circuit of fans, president, coach, players was upset last season during the Champions League. There was an issue with the fans. The fans said they were not going to sing during the Milan-Napoli uh, Champions League game because they were not allowed to bring uh, flags into the stadium and because the hmm. ticket prices were so expensive. 
They didn't sing. There was this little bit of upset in the circuit, and they were terrible against Milan and got knocked out of the Champions League. So now with that circuit being upset again, with Spalletti leaving, I, I don't know. I, I just don't see them winning the Scudetto. And, and people, other teams know what to expect. So he, when you do have that certain expectation, it becomes different to your Scudetto winning season because they were riding this wave of mm -hmm. momentum and they became this unstoppable force throughout the season and it was so unstoppable by March, April, it was it was in the bag almost even by like late February, yeah. March, you could visualize, okay, they're gonna get this done, it's such a wide gap. Now, it's gotta be more sustainable throughout the year because it doesn't seem like they're gonna get off to such a hot start that they're gonna be able to shift a couple gears down for two months. That's almost, it's almost illogical in the world of football today. I, I don't see them being that good for that long so quickly. So making the, the Spalletti, if you say that Rudy Garcia isn't gonna touch too much, that Spalletti-esque formula that works so well, how do you make that sustainable? Not only through the entire, the large majority of the season, but in Champions League as well. It's, it's gonna be a challenge for Rudy Garcia. I think also Quaratskelia, we know now. Before, we, did, we had no idea. 10 million bucks, this kid from Georgia, like, was really nowhere to be found before that. And he lit the league up, became the, the MVP in the league, or I think the, the young MVP or whatever they call it, was one of the top players in the league. Oziman as well. We knew he was a good striker, but not that good. So the way they played higher up the pitch, they surprised a lot of teams, they surprised a, a, a lot of managers on the, on the opposing sides. I don't think that's gonna happen this year. I think hmm. teams will be very well set up against them and, hmm. and they'll find it difficult. It's always difficult when you're now the team, everybody circles yeah. as to, that's I right. want to beat you. Mm -hmm. You just play differently. And so can they be still that galvanized team that we were talking about before, so cohesive as a unit? when you're missing the person that really brought you together. Yeah. And there yeah. is controversy with the president and, and everything yeah. that's well, always, going on. Always, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the Spalletti piece, I think, is, uh, is a key component there. Um, but let's chat about, Jenny mentioned it, a lot of Americans will be playing in Serie A uh, this upcoming season. Christian Pulisic and Yunus Musa at AC Milan. We have yeah. Timothy Weah and Wesson McKinney at Juventus. Grella, when you look at some of these young American players that are entering this league or playing in this league, who do you think, who are you most excited to see? Who do you think is most poised to have success in Serie A? Oh, all three, I think, are starting from very uh, similar points in terms of their experience in the league, how talented they are, their potential, all, all these different things. Pulisic is the one for obviously everyone. He's the top American player. Everybody wants to see what he does and how he does it. Is it going to be too physical for him? Is he going to play in the number 10 position? Is he going to play as a winger? It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think the steal for me uh, was Weah, though, mm, because yeah. they've slotted him now. Juventus have slotted him in that wingback position. He is so good. He, he's looked so good in preseason. He's bought in. You hear his comments before joining even how sort of willing he is to learn. And he's a little bit different bag than McKinney. I think McKinney's more... I don't know, it was just more interesting, it was more loud, it was just, and, and way as more just down to business, you know? And they only signed him for, I think it was like 10 or 12 million or something like that. So for me, he's the steal uh, of, of the Americans. And then there's Musa that they, that um. is another great piece in that Milan midfield, but they've made so many good signings. I don't know if you'll be a staple in a team game in, a week in and week out. I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm gonna wait mm. to see that. 
Uh, so for me, Weya is the one that uh, I'm most excited to see. I'm most excited for Musa. I, and if he, that's the question. Is he going to yeah. get playing time in this midfield? But what Yunus Musa can do and the way that he can link play, I think would be really interesting for this Milan team. So I hope that he gets his chance. And I, I do think that he has the ability once he gets that opportunity to really show that he could be a key piece and a key cog in what this Milan team does. I crave for the day. You know how we're, we're so obsessed with Musa. We love Musa over here in mm. the United States, and we know the quality that he has. I want Milan fans to feel the way that we do for Yunus Musa, but he's going to have to prove himself. It's not like I feel like just because from an American mentality, we all see these Americans showing up here because we know how good they are and how good they can be, that they should start, should get playing time. No. They have to prove themselves every week, week in, week out for an entire season to win over fans that are demanding, like Milan fans, that almost it's Scudetto or bust. That's how you measure success for a lot of these teams. So hopefully, Musa, out of all the players, I feel like Musa, that's got that beautiful, yeah. educated mm -hmm. touch, that vision, that mm -hmm. clarity, that he can win over the, the Milan fans. And what I understand also, he speaks uh, yeah. fluent Italian. Italian, yeah, which, yeah. By the way, communication is massive for settling in and being a guy in the locker room. You have to also be a guy that's well like in the locker room for, the, for who you are and what you bring to the table. And I think speaking a language helps you big there. So he's already uh, jumping a he's few steps forward. Yeah. And you know, Des that we saw there that came in probably didn't. He grew up in Italy, uh, Musa, until a very young yeah. age. And, and then he made his over to, to the Arsenal Academy. But Christian's like, what, what are they saying? <laughs> How much fun is it going to be when AC Milan play Juventus, too, yeah. as well? It's going to be awesome. Right? Love it. Here for it. Okay, uh, guys, we're going to take a break. We are breaking down that semifinal between Australia and England when we return. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Well, the final is set. It will be Spain taking on England in the Women's World Cup final at 6 a.m. this Sunday on Fox. Uh, that semifinal match between Australia and England ended just a bit ago. Let's get into the highlights from this one. And this is England already up one to nothing mm. in the first half. But Ugh. we have been waiting for Sam Kerr to be healthy this whole tournament. Here she is showing up big time for a team. She evens the score. But this is a moment that Ellie Carpenter messes up. Ellie Carpenter. Oh. She has had a wonderful tournament. So has this whole entire Australian squad. And Alessia Russo puts this in the back of the net after a pass from Lauren Hemp. I mean, absolutely. Carbon Incredible copy of Alessia Russo's goal in the exactly. last game as well. So she, she finally found her form at the perfect time for this English squad because she was not scoring goals before the knockout rounds. And yeah. here she is, yeah. showing Jordan up had, in the big moments. That's what Jordan, you need. Jordan had a lot to say about Alessia Russo not no, performing I, and not scoring yeah. goals. Uh, and now that she is, I just want to say she's a Tar Heel. Yeah, I said I didn't say anything about her because she wasn't scoring goals. So what are you to gonna have, say? We need to have a little ticker on this show for every time Jenny mentions uh, Tar Heels in North Carolina and Nico mentions Boca. Are you serious? Just yeah. put it on There's the back screen. Easily, easily, Jenny has mentioned UNC <laughs> much more than I've mentioned Boca. Yeah. Well. During the Women's World Cup, there's so many. On this England side, you have Serena Wegman, who's leading. She is a Tar Heel. Um, she is the England head coach. Lucy Bronze, who is an absolute rock, solid as a diamond back there for England, also a Tar Heel. There Three. we go. There we go. And, and then said it twice. Russo, who scored, just you, you're missing one. One more. Yeah, yeah. 
for earlier. It's true. I mean, yeah. They're incredibly strong. And, and when we talk about Serena Wegman, this is going to be her second World Cup final in a row. Last time she was mm. there with the Netherlands, lost to the United States 2-0. But for her to be in back-to-back finals with different countries is an absolute incredible, you know, Resume and just a show of, of what kind of a tactician she is and what kind of Potent- talent she has. Potentially back-to-back championships, too. They just won the Euros mm-hmm. last year, and that was really England showing up and saying, all right, we have made it to this stage. Yeah. I, they had a good 2019 World Cup. I, I, I will say that. England was very strong, but they are a different animal, a, a different beast under Vigman and what she's been able to do. And... We'll see. This, is, this is not the not the championship game we are expecting. Spain, England. I, I would say people had different expectations going into this World Cup. But I really think when you watch the tournament play out, these are two of the best teams that played. Absolutely, 100%. hands down. It's a um, great final. Before before we uh, move on to kind of previewing that that final, let's uh, let's chat about Australia and yeah. and their run here. As we mentioned, um, Sam Kerr got the start in this game today. She was a difference maker uh, mm-hmm. from the jump. I after she scored that goal, the equalizer for Australia, and it was I mean we saw it. It was an, an absolute banger. I really I thought the momentum had shifted. You know, you're playing in front of your your home fans. All the crowd is completely behind you. Um, what, where did they fall short for you, Jordan? How were they not able to capitalize on that and, and get momentum, utilize that momentum to, to move on to win this one? Yeah, I think it's interesting because this is 63rd minute, right? 64th minute, actually. So if Sam Kerr didn't start, she would be in the game by now mm-hmm. anyways. I, I, I think that this Australian team was just, it was just a push was a little too late. They couldn't get a hold of the game in the first half. Um, I think the decision from Tony Gustafson to start her, you can't not start her if she's available and ready to play. Right. But if that goes 1-1, she, is Sam Kerr playing the rest of the game? And their substitutes with Sam Kerr starting didn't have the M- impact that Sam Kerr would have off the bench, right? Mm-hmm. So I think they got to a point in the game where they weren't able to get back in it because you bring in Van Egmond, who's not a finisher. It, so it just was a difficult decision they had to make. And that is, I'm glad we got that beauty, <laughs> though, they, from Sam It feels that, that when you concede a goal like that late after equalizing the game, when you're the underdog like Australia, yeah. it's very deflating. Well, and they weren't giving up goals in this World Cup. And to give up a goal like that, where it looked like just mistimed by Ellie Carpenter, right? She t- takes two bites at the apple, can't get a clearance on it. These are heavy legs. Australia barely rotated through this World Cup. They didn't, especially that back line, not that you're going to rotate, but some teams did in, mm-hmm. in the group stage. These are the moments where it's make or break, and unfortunately, that's just a tough moment. And it wasn't as if Sam Kerr didn't have opportunities to after that. She She had a a little flick that I I think if she goes a little stronger on the header and doesn't try to place it so much, potentially there, she kicks one over the bar. Yeah, the, the big miss is the, is the kick over the bar uh, mm-hmm. off the corner oh, kick. Here's a look at some um, of these chances. This is the flick that Jordan oh. was talking about. Oh, I didn't see this one. Yeah, she goes back flick. Uh. I think if she just goes near post. Yeah. But then and this then is this the one is... that I'm talking about where she hits <gasps> it right over. She doesn't let it drop enough here. You're so close to the goal. She could just smash that in. She barely, she knows barely it too. misses that. Oh, yeah, to see, see the disappointment in her eyes because she could have equalized for Australia late. But that would have been two for two for, for her, I think, the back line, Ellie Carpenter, that mistake, it 
You could see it in Sam Kerr's face. She was like, you, you can't make that mistake. It's the World Cup. They're going to feed off of those mistakes. Lauren Hemp absolutely continues her run and bites on that. Um, incredible from Lauren Hemp. Honestly, her performance was outstanding today. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about Ellie Carpenter, you can see her swipe for it once. She mistimes it with her right foot. She wants to take it away from the goal. She mistimes it, and Lauren Hemp just sneaks in and uh, takes just advantage. tragic for her. Lauren Hemp scored almost the exact same goal in the quarterfinal, too. She mm -hmm. just mm. keeps following the play. And you need the variety of goal scorers if you're going to win a World Cup. You need people that can hit it from a tight angle mm -hmm. like Russo did, but you also need someone who's just hungry and willing to sacrifice everything in the box. And Hemp has been providing that for this English so squad. Hemp has been playing for Lauren James in, in No, Hemp absence? has been playing for... Um, Ella Toon was playing in Lauren James's. Now they get Lauren James okay. back. So, okay, Ooh, great so, okay. Here, here's, here's my question. With that modification between Hemp Toon to kind of make up for that absence of Lauren James, yeah. and it's worked so well, and you have Hemp scoring. Yeah. And now you bring Lauren James back you, you're, in. You're Serena Wigman. What do you do? <laughs> you bring Lauren James back in. Mm -hmm. Without a shadow of a doubt? I thought Lauren James, after her group stage performances, I said, this is going to be the player of the tournament. She didn't start the first game. Then she started. And it was like, t she took over game. She had five contribution, goal contributions in a game. It, it was just ridiculous. Two goals and three assists. She was all over the place. So. And she will come back with a vengeance in yeah. this match as well. Just be so excited to be back on the pitch um, to make up final. for her. In a World Cup in final. final. Yeah. Are you kidding so me? Her talent is incredible. So, Jenny, when you look at this final yes. between Spain and England and both of these teams, the way that they set up, where do you think this game is going to be won? Ooh. Oh, man, does Spain have deficiencies in their back line? Yes. Well, Spain in transition has, moments, they can be a little discombobulated. The way that Japan kind of, you know, showed their weaknesses in those counterattack moments mm -hmm. that Jordan is talking about, um, England has that speed up front as well and their ability to transition. Those attackers, I mean, Alessia Russo has some legs on her to get on the, on the end of some. Um, Lauren Hemp as well, we can see from her just any mistake that the back line makes, she jumps on. So... Oh, gosh. But also on Spain's side, they combine so well and can keep possession. I would say that Spain they, is going to keep, keep possession. They keep the ball really well. I, yeah. I wonder if England might want to press them, force that mistake. Yeah. But the opposition throughout the knockout stage tried to force Spain into the air, and they've been so clean out of the back to work the ball and, and recycle it. Other side, the one place where we've seen Spain kind of flinch is taking advantage of that possession near the box, scoring goals, yeah. putting teams away when you have the ball. And yeah. I don't know if they're gonna have that ball that much against England. They're so good at keeping it. So I do think they're gonna have, the advantage possession is gonna go to Spain. To Spain. I do think the, the key decision for Jorge Vilda is he's gonna have to start Jenny Hermosa as a 10 put Gonzalez back up top, and Puteas needs to go back to the bench. I, she started the last game. I did not think she contributed. Hermoso is so struggling. much better as a midfielder. Hermoso right now, for me, is the player. Now that Lauren James has missed a couple games, Hermoso has been the player of the tournament mm -hmm. in the way that she links this team together in those moments to find the wingers, the forwards. Um, and Gonzalez holds the ball up so well. So that's my big change for Spain. We'll see if that's what Vilda thinks too. But this is going to be a really, really fun in the final. Mm -hmm. One of the big things about England is that their ball recovery timing is so short. I think it was like seven seconds in the first 10 mm -hmm. minutes of this game against Australia. So they're quick to, if they lose the ball, to win it back. Can they do that against a Spain that can keep the ball so well? That's the question. Ooh.
It's going to be a good one. one. How did that Sunday. happen? How are we already at the I final? Oh, gosh. Sunday morning, you guys, 6 a.m. on Fox, England taking on Spain in that Women's World Cup final. Don't miss it. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. We are checking in on some Americans abroad when we return. Welcome back. Well, we are always keeping tabs on Americans playing abroad, and it was a big weekend in the championship for Josh Sargent of Norwich and Haji Wright of Coventry. Uh, Josh Sargent with a goal and an assist. Haji Wright scores a goal for his new side. Let's take a look at some of the other big performances from Americans playing overseas. We see a big win for Fulham. Uh, Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson, obviously, on that team. They beat Everton. Matt Turner made his debut um, against Arsenal for Nottingham Forest. And as we mentioned, Josh Sargent and Haji Wright, both scoring goals for their new teams in the championship. But let's chat about... Uh, the women's side. We've got some American women's playing um, overseas, including two players for Chelsea, new players in Kateria, Katerina Macario and Mia Fischel. And Mia Fischel, especially, this is a name that you probably, you might not even be familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, she's been playing with Tigres in uh, Mexico. But Jordan, she, she has scored. She's a goal-scoring machine, or at least she was. For Tigres. Yeah, and Liga Emeki's Femenil, she is scoring goals like it's the easiest thing on earth. 34 goals and 43 appearances there. But she, she that's just who she is. She did that at UCLA when she played here. Actually drafted into NWSL, but opted to go and play in Mexico because she wanted to win championships. This is the mentality of this player. And now the, the move for Mia Fischel... Her ability in the box, and it's not just she's a right-footed player, a left-footed player. We saw a little bit of that from Josh Sargent, his movement to free himself. This is the, the capability that Mia Fischel has. She knows what she needs to do in certain situations to get that half an inch, that half a foot from a player to get herself a good scoring opportunity. I like this move to Chelsea, but I'm also interested to see what Emma Hayes does because mm. Chelsea has a pretty good striker in one Sam Kerr, who we just saw score quite a golazo in the World Cup. How do they manage that? They have played a 3-5-2 at times. I could see those two playing up top together because they can both hold the ball up but get in beyond as well. Um, Emma Hayes has champagne problems because <laughs> the, Mia Fischel is just another addition to this squad who is from line to line just has the best of the I, best. I have a question for you just very quickly on the whole draft thing. She, she gets drafted in NWSL. She goes, nah, I'm good. I'm gone. Like, who's the team that drafted her and then it's like what oh now we don't have a draft yeah pick? How, how did that Orlando work? pride but she already had told people that she didn't want to play in NWSL so they drafted her with the the hopes of now they they have her rights and now there is a oh, yeah okay. there, there's some so rights. she ever decides to go to NWSL she's gotta go to Orlando yeah we'll see I know that they're unless you like in new NWSL news there's all the different Those rights only last a couple of years yeah right? just a couple of years so I we'll see a similar thing yeah, we'll, we'll see what she ends up doing. Um, is she somebody that should be in a conversation for the U.S. women's national team? Absolutely. I mean, I would think if you're, if you're scoring goals at, at that rate, you would get some looks, and yet she's a name that we, we haven't heard included on these rosters. There have been so many talks about her getting into this national team with her goal-scoring abilities. But 
Now she's in a league where I think tests her a lot more. It's not going to be as easy to score goals in the WSL over in England. So can she still have that type of impact with this Chelsea squad in their games against Arsenal, against Everton, the, the teams that are going to be a little bit a step up from some of these Liga MX Feminile teams? Um, this is not as a deep as a league. This is a good move for her for if she wants to make her case of being a member of this U.S. Women's National Team. And there's no time like now because there is going to be so much turnover. Uh, maybe not Olympics, but mm-hmm. I see next World Cup, she's absolutely in the conversation. Yeah. What about um, Katarina Macario? Yeah. Obviously, you know about all about recovering from an ACL injury. Um, what are the expectations for her with this Chelsea side? I think that she takes some time off to continue to her recovery. She says, I'm not going to go with, I'm not going to be a part of this World Cup team. Was mm-hmm. really shows the level of intelligence that this player has, the head that she has on her shoulders. She is a baller. And when you have the players that she has in front of her, Sam Kerr, Mia Fischel, uh, Aaron Cuthright, these are going to be uh, players that can allow her to play that final pass that she is so good at. She's gonna, I think she's going to excel. This team is going to be a perfect fit for her. And I, I'm excited for this move for Macario, especially because Emma Hayes has, is such a good tactically. She's going to learn a lot in this process as well. How much of a difference maker would she have been for the U.S. women's national team? Had yeah, she I mean, you don't have Rose Lavelle and you can put Katarina Macario in there. That's almost same for right. same, you know, in a, in a lot of different ways sure. of how they can progress the ball, get into the attacking third. But, you know, Shoulda, coulda, woulda. I know, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, no, that Chelsea team's going to be fun yeah. to watch. Um, we've got a uh, UEFA Super Cup to look forward to today. Our coverage begins at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports Network. Grella and Nico both on this coverage. What are we watching for in this one, fellas? I, I want to see who links up with Holland the best. Okay. But they have so much quality. If it's going to be Grealish, Foden, if Foden can start, if Foden can take advantage of this season now that De Bruyne is going to be out for a significant portion, let's remember, two seasons ago, he was Pep's guy. Then Grealish kind of came mm-hmm. into the fold, and Foden really took a couple of steps back. He was not first option. Now, opportunity to be first option again. Hopefully, he takes advantage. Yeah. Think, uh, both teams didn't play well in their respective. In the Europa League final, didn't, Sevilla didn't play great against Rome. Didn't really dominate the game. Left uh, it out there for Roma. R- R- Rome didn't play that great No, but for either. me, I thought Rome would go into that game playing. They, they play not pleasing football at all. Very defensive football. Right. And Sevilla just played the same game as them. So I was not impressed with Sevilla in that match. And also, Manchester City was dominated a little bit by Inter uh, throughout the 90 minutes. So to see both these teams in a final, I would like to see them more with their identity, with their ideas, with the way they want to play and impose that on the game instead of sort of just kind of seeing what's there. You know, I, I want to see Manchester City play to, to, to the level that they, that they can play. They will with so pressure you, off, I think. You think Foden's sliding into the midfield? Not, not really. I think they'll, they'll have with Rodri and Kovacic mm-hmm. in the middle. That'll, that'll be kind of the belt of the team right in the middle to, to give it a little bit more structure. And then you can throw in a Grealish, uh, a Bernardo Silva, a Foden, and then have Juli Alvarez work off of Haaland. That's how it could pan out. Or or you put or you take uh, Juli Alvarez off and you put l- the likes of a Bernardo Silva in the middle, yeah. Foden on the right. That's kind of what I think it's how it's going to st- at least start the game. 
Yeah. Bernardo Silva centrally. Pep, Pep, for some reason, really likes Juli Alvarez. I mean, he's got quality, but he's not one of the, he's not top, top, top of the line attacker, but he throws flowers Juli Alvarez's way. And it's funny because it makes, every time that Pep says something about Juli Alvarez in Argentina, every, look at what Pep says about Juli Alvarez because he sees something in him, evidently. Um, and who knows if he'll keep on opting for this partnership. We saw it in the first leg, sure. in the first leg, in the first game of the season, Burnley, Juli Alvarez setting Holland up for a goal. We'll see. Does Holland score? Yes. In the Super Cup. Yeah. Oof, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Multiple? Valencia scored twice against Sevilla in the first game, you know, and yeah. Valencia is not the best in the best moment right now. Sevilla also was like fifth bottom and conceded the most goals last season in, in, uh, in La Liga. So I think for sure they're susceptible. And if Holland's there, he's going to find the weakness. City, two. Sevilla, zero. Juli Alvarez and Jack Grealish. Ooh. Mm. So Holland's not going to score for you. Nope. Okay, Pep. Oof. <laughs> It's a, good, it's a good bet to place money on Holland not to score. I think it pays more than Holland to does, score. Yeah. I just had like a, I was just triggered by our betting segments that we used to do. He's going to score. I, that, <laughs> oh, it, was, it was awful. Holland's going to score. I'm going to say Holland's going to score. And I think he scores more goals this season in the Premier League. No oh, way. Whoa. Wow. That's bold. All right. That's, That's bold. bold. I like that. Without De Bruyne? Let's go. I'm all about bold predictions that make no sense. Um, all right, guys. Thanks so much for watching Morning Footy. Let's do it again. Mañana. We'll see you then.